to say I'd put on Nuriel's clothes, never, ever, I'd say, she wears them out the field. I wouldn't dare wear them. <laughs> so she, was she dressing more like the brothers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, rough and tumble, and she'd be out in the field, and she'd be going to bog, or she'd be going. So she was never dressed, dressed. Mm-hmm. I was always dressed. I wouldn't, even as you, even up to now, and the age I am, I would never go to the town without being dressed properly. This is the Gilded Thread Podcast. I am Irene O'Brien and I have a long-standing obsession with the role of clothing in our lives. We are definitely living in a time when so many of us have the platform to broadcast every minute of our own lives, should we choose. I wanted to hear from those people whose stories are perhaps a little less shared and learn about their lives as recalled through their style memories. Today, I'm chatting with the inimitable Roscommon woman, Mildred Byrne, a radio broadcaster, dance instructor and music teacher. I was keen to chat with her about her colourful beginnings and particularly how she is constantly evolving with every decade. I'm going to get straight into you with Mildred um, because I'm so excited that you're here and for us to have a conversation all about, as we said, about kind of style and clothing that mattered over the years, but really just to hear so much of your colourful story. Um, but I did want to start, if we'll just go back to when you were growing up, and I suppose what you remember of um, kind of clothing and style in your house, and, and was it important how you were presented, or, or, or what was it like when you were growing up? Well, I suppose I was the youngest of eight, so I, my older brothers, really and truly, they were gone before I grew up, or, or knew, knew that I was alive at all, and they were gone, and they were... The older were boys, so they were a nuisance in the house. And when they'd come home, I would say, who are they? they you know, because I, I was only a baby when they were, some of them were gone. There was eight of us. But then as I got older, my sisters left also. And uh, because I was the youngest, I, I suppose, I always, I never, ever remember my mother saying, this is Muriel's, you have to wear it. I never remember that. As in hand-me-downs? Yeah, never. never. Okay. I never remember that. I always had my clothes, I suppose, because I was the youngest and I could afford to buy clothes at that stage. But I never, I was thinking about this, and I was saying I never remember using Muriel's, my sister's skirt or jumper or anything. I never remember. And I were the two sisters the closest in age to you then? No. My, my Dorothy was there was four in between that. Gotcha. So she was she was gone as well. So I never had anything belonged to. And I never had anything to, by Muriel. Now there was a boy in between. Mm-hmm. There was myself and Frank and Muriel. But I never had anything. I was thinking of that, you know, when you said you were doing this program and I was saying I don't ever remember having Muriel's clothes on me. Isn't that interesting? And do you ever remember loving some of Muriel's clothing? Would you have liked any of them? No. 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 Because, but you, because you're certain about that. Because, oh, no, I wouldn't wear them because she was a rough and tumble. <laughs> and I wasn't. Were you very girly? I was always girly. Mm-hmm. I was always girly and I always wanted. And when I'd be going to school, I'd always want my mother to put a ribbon on my hair that matched Something. Oh well, if you were at it early then, and she it, would, you? and she would say, "Oh, is she at?" But I always wanted. I, 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 I have thought of that since yeah. you, 
And I always wanted to have something matching. An outfit. And, yeah. yeah. Well, this was the only thing we could afford, I suppose, a ribbon. But it is interesting because that's obviously something that was just innate. It was something that you thought to yourself, I want this finished in a certain yeah. way. Oh, or yeah. I want to. Oh, but it might to, to say I put on Nuriel's clothes, never, ever, I'd say. She wears them out the field. I wouldn't dare wear them. <laughs> so was she, she dressing more like the brothers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, rough and tumble, and she'd be out in the field, and she'd be going to bog, or she'd be going. So she was never dressed, dressed. Mm-hmm. I was always dressed. I wouldn't, even as you, even up to now, and the age I am, I would never go to the town without being dressed properly. And I remember that. Did your mom get a kick out of that, do you No. Think? I no. was a nuisance to her. Really? Because yeah. was she into clothing and stuff? No, she hadn't time to, because my father was in England, and she was working on the farm, and she hadn't time to do anything, and I was a nuisance. But I'd been for myself, and I'd see that I'd, rather than her going looking for something, I'd have this ready for her to put on me. So, no, no, she couldn't care less. But she must have, she obviously indulged you because you never, you had your own new clothes oh, and she I, obviously yeah. went getting the things that you oh, I were had, interested I in. I had always my clothes. I I never had any, I never had any clothes belong to any, until Muriel, my sister, went to England and then she used to send me the nice clothes. Ah, so what age were you when she was in England and sent them back? I'd say about maybe 10 or 11. And I I had the neighbour, she was a, a dressmaker. And I'm sure she hated the living sight of me. Because every parcel I got, I was down to her to change the dress and change it this way and change. And then she'd say to me, Mary Feeney was her name. And Mary would say, you really want it that way? And I'd say, yeah, I want it that And that time, there was what they used to call shift dresses. Yes. And they were lovely. Oh, I thought they were the bee's knees. And then Muriel used to send me, which we never had uh, before she went, was slacks or trousers or anything. You know, these real tight trousers? But Muriel used to buy them and send them to me because she knew I'd like them. And what year about was this then? Uh, well, I was, bo- I was born in, in 1944, so go 12 years on, 54. And so later 50s? Yes, Yes, yeah, so was it kind of a high-waisted trouser and then kind of fitted? No, no, just ordinary waist, but, but it was lovely and it was all different colours. Oh, lovely. And then when I was 14, I went to England with my mother to stay. And that, I was in heaven. I was in heaven. I didn't have to go down the fields. <laughs> it was great. And, I, and I, was, I was always dressed no matter where I went. And we, had, we went to school in England. And thank God there was no uniform in the school. You just wore your own clothes, which was great. And I was just at that time when I was 14, the the hula hoop came out. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I was mighty at the hula hoop. (laughs) I got, I bought a hula hoop in England. And we used to go on a Saturday morning to the films. We were allowed to go to a film on a Saturday morning. The kids from the school. And was it in the cinema or was oh, it cinema. shown somewhere? Oh, yeah. It was a cin- cinema, but and we'd bring the hula hoop with us and we'd be doing it all the way down, you see. And we learned there was a big, the front of the, uh, the cinema was all glass. And I was doing the hula hoop this day. I was always a trickster, you know. And 
the men came out, the, the, the manager of the thing, and he said, you're very good doing that. Would you come in inside the glass and do it? Really? Well, I was in my seventh, oh, I was in heaven. <laughs> and then you see that, I used to do that every Saturday morning. So therefore, I had to have a new outfit for that, you see. <laughs> in my own mind, I couldn't go with the same outfit every Saturday. So I did that for about a year. So, okay, so set the scene. So you moved to England yes. to go to secondary school, wasn't no, it? No, I moved, my, 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 all my brothers and sisters were gone and my mother couldn't take the farm anymore because she was on her own. And we moved to England, all, myself and my mother, closed up her shop and went to, to England to live. Okay, so and not with Muriel? Oh, no, she was already there. She was there. She and where, was so where in England was this? Manchester. Oh, in Manchester. Manchester. Okay. Yeah. So was this your first taste of kind of performance? Yes. And was it? Was it really? Well, I suppose before that, as a child, I used to do the school plays and that. Yes. And uh, uh, we, we used to do little sketches first. And then we do a three-act play as well. And I love that and to this day I can laugh about things that happened <laughs> and I used to absolutely love it and there was I there was a teacher used to do with us as well and I was his daughter in the play oh very good well we used to have so much fun and I I remember you know learning the parts and all that sort of thing and then you'd, you'd giggle you know sometimes you get on the ground but it was the best. I loved once I was up there, I was a different person. Once and I was what on was stage, it, what was the feeling then when you first were introduced to that idea? I of was I was I was how could I explain it? I was like I was elated. I was in heaven. I was up here and I was performing and like what I was saying was only makeup and all that, but it was great. And would you be getting dressed up for these oh, roles? Oh yeah, yeah, now? oh yeah, yeah. Oh you'd be getting dressed you'd be getting dressed up silly. Or the other way around. Yes. And, and did that help you with your character? Well, it, it helped me in the sense of I could kind of do whatever I wanted. And and the, the, the more activity there was in it for me, the better. I liked it. I used to love it. And and the little sketches, the little sketches we done, I used to be kind of the the prominent lady in it, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the child, you see. And I, was a, and I thought that was great. I was awful and all that sort of thing <laughs> and when the, the the what was the name there was one play that I was in and the, the, the pride of something I can't remember but anyway I was I was the lady of the house in that and I was so and everybody used to come the local girls that we knew or piled around with they'd come to see Mildred uh, on the stage, you know, and I thought that was great. Isn't that so fabulous? Yeah. And this, so this is part of you moving to England. And so at that stage, was there anyone that you were kind of looking up to either in that, you know, in the arts or even someone whose style you liked? Or was it just that by the time you then moved to England, your eyes were widened open? Well, well definitely my eyes was open when I went to England. And there was opportunities in England that there wasn't here. Mm -hmm. And uh, that I remember very much. You were, you were, let's, let's put it this way. You were on a higher stage. Mm -hmm. And certainly this man that brought me in, like 
that definitely was a higher stage compared to Carrie Castle, where I came from, doing the small play or the and, and, and another thing that used to I used to love in Carrie Castle, we used to you probably you're too young to know this, but in October and uh May, they used to have the the May uh what's the word I'm looking for? Devotions. Okay. Every evening. And we would have to go to church to say the rosary and sing. And sometimes there'd be nobody there to do the, do the singing. The teacher might be away or something. And Father Lafferty would say to me, Ari Mildred, there's only the two of us. You do the singing and I'll do the rosary. And were you in your elements? Oh, I was happy as Larry. Ah. <laughs> I was as happy as Larry. And then I had, I, I used to play the tin whistle. And if I ran out of a hymn, I'd play the tin whistle. Sure, I was as, I, I thought I owned the church. Sure, I was as proud as Bunch doing it. And it was just the two of you? Just the two of you. <laughs> Myself and Brother Lafferty. And the so, Lord, of course. So you made, you were able to turn, it sounds like, everything into a stage and an yes. opportunity to kind of perform. And Yeah, I did. And I, I, I loved every part of that, part of my life. And I have to go back to this about, I can, I'm just picturing someone as enthusiastic and vivacious as you going along with your hula hoop. Yes. And then to be, you thinking you're great, and then to be told, in fact, yes, indeed, you, you are. are. So he asked you, come inside the window. Yeah. And it was almost like a way of entertaining people as they waited While or drawing waited attention. While they, I was entertaining the ones outside. Now, remember, Saturday morning, it would be all children, teenagers and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So I was brought in to entertain these until doors opened. That was fun. And I did that I did that for a year in England and I loved it. And what did your mom make of it? She couldn't care less. She didn't even she couldn't care less. I suppose she in her own way. But she'd never say you shouldn't do this or you can't do this. You know, I suppose she it was, was happy a, enough. Oh, she was. She, I suppose there'd be a time she'd draw the line and she'd say, "You're not doing that." But like, England was different them times. Mm -hmm. You know, they were really different them times, and they were safer, and you could you could walk to the cinema with your friends and walk back again. But I, I, I'd be always safe, you know, mm -hmm. doing that. And what were you, so you thought you needed a new outfit, you decided oh, God, to Oh, got a new outfit every, every Saturday morning. And how did you and go about making that happen then? Oh, well, I'll tell you how I went. I'll tell you how I went. Down the street from where I was, there was a market. Right. And now my mother wasn't good with the needle and thread now. Mm -hmm. She wasn't great. But if I saw something that was really nice, and she used to say to me, why do you have to... Why do you have to be buying them flimsy things? Why can't you buy? Now, remember, Irene, I never, even though Muriel sent me this lovely trouser, I hated them. There were, there were trousers and they were different and there were grand colours, but I never felt happy in trousers. Okay, yeah. Never. I felt I, felt I wasn't me in a trouser. So I discarded that. Okay. I discarded that. <laughs> Back to skirts and dresses. Back to skirts and dresses. Skirts and, of course, you know, when you're a teenager, 14 or 15, you're like your finger and all that. I love that. But I'd go down to the market and I'd find things and I'd bring them home. And I'd do the best I could with the sewing myself and turning up or whatever the case. But I would have the new outfit every Saturday morning. I absolutely love that. I'm sure people were dying to see what you were showing up in to wear as well with your performance. Because you were mentioning earlier that 
you would bring the pieces that you're... So your sister was sending stuff back from England. Yes, and yeah. And you would go to the neighbour. And so I thought you were going to the neighbour just to get it made to your size. But actually, you had new ideas for well, us, I had new you? ideas. Oh, God, Lyle, because... You were restyling long before she, anyone was upside. She'd say to me, are you sure you want it like that? And I'd say, yeah, I want it like that. But, but, but that's not the way the dress is meant to be. And you know, the poor woman, she had other things to be doing besides this. But I'd land down to her and she'd know, oh, you got a parcel. Yeah, I got a parcel. I'd say she loved it. But Mildred, where were you getting your inspiration? Were you looking at it? Were you seeing people dressed like this? Or was it in your head? No, I just, I wanted to be different to other people. I wanted to be, what's the word? Even though I mightn't have the face to be pretty, I wanted to look pretty. I wanted, I wanted to, to be nice and to be always dressed and to be nice. And you've never lost that. No. Because style really is as, when I think of you, you know, your life is filled with music and dance and it's, it's, it's in your heart and it's in your career and it's in everything you do. Yes. Um, But style is as well. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wanted everything to be right. And if there was a bit out of place, I would go to the ends of the earth to do that. But I'll give you a laugh now. We'll just go back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, please do. Before I went to England. Yeah. We had, like, the neighbours was three boys, neighbours. Yeah. And up the road, there was another two boys. A girl, but she was maybe three, four miles away. And we'd all meet up. Now, don't laugh at this. But when I think of it now, you know, I would love, I used to be out with them. We'd all meet up and we'd go someplace. And I'd wear this flouncy dress or skirt or whatever. And I, even then, Irene, I used to be teaching them how to dance. Really? But I didn't know what I was doing myself. (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing myself. And what is it, was it... You you were used to dancing around yourself, wasn't well, you? Just love music. I, I, I love music, and it was in my bones, and I wanted to do show these. Uh, I'm sure it would be only up and down down the field. And did they adore you? They did. <laughs> Every one of them did. I suppose that in the cottage to say no. But also, you were bringing such crack and spirit to oh, things. Oh, but we used to have great fun. And then, like, I, I would be, when I'd go to a dance, I'd be a good dancer, you know, and, and you'd learn to jive or to walk. I mean, I remember the first time my mother, and now thinking back on it, I can know now, uh, we'd, we'd be in the house and we'd be dancing around the place. And, you know, when you waltz, you go up on your toes. And, and I, to this day, I can remember my mother looking at me and dying laughing. Now <laughs> I know why she was laughing. <laughs> but I'd be out teaching the lads. And, you know, the lads didn't want But I had this flouncy dress on me and I, I was swinging the skirt and sure I was happy as that. That's so lovely. But it is, it's, it, it's so obvious that it was all... One and the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All parts of it. So did your mom have music playing in the house a lot? Then? Well, we always had music in our house. Mm-hmm. Always. There was the gramophone, always. We always had tin whistles. We always, we get anything at all to, to beat on it to pretend we had a bow on. Mm-hmm. We always had that in our house, always. And then we'd go out at Christmas on the Rand Boys and we'd, we'd, we'd get great money for the Rand Boys. And, oh, well, I'd be to the first town. 
to buy after what I get. Oh, yeah. So tell so tell listeners about the Ram Boys. And when, when well, the Ram Boys was uh, on St. Stephen's Day. Mm-hmm. And, of course, for four weeks before that, we weren't allowed to go dancing. So, of course, come Christmas and Stephen's Day, we were mad to go. And we'd always do, up, do ourselves up and all sorts of faces and all that sort of thing. And we all had the tin whistle. I don't know how it was, but... We all had the tin whistle and we'd go from house to house to house and we'd stand outside and we'd play outside and then they'd open the door. Wouldn't happen now, let me tell you. they open the door and if they knew you, they brought you in and they fed you and they gave you money. And you, We knew the houses to go to, they have people home. And they'd feed you and they'd give you great money. We got great money on the Rand Boys. Oh, what and do you dress as? Did you dress and, as? No, and so nobody would know us. Okay, Any yeah. old thing, in, so long as our face was covered. Okay. So long as your face was covered. and you, But of course... They knew well. They knew well. And then you'd get the odd one that should, you know, try to pull your mask off to see who you were. But to buy, have a false face was the best ever. You didn't, yeah. have, to, you didn't have to make up the thing. You can buy them false face and put it on, and that was great. So, but we get and St. Stephen's night was our first night dancing. Then you see, after four weeks, yeah. Oh, I was just about to say that. I mean, all the dancing that happens coming up to Christmas, all the excitement, and everything, I cannot imagine nothing, nothing was like nothing. And then St. Stephen's night was your first night dancing, a ripping fine night. <laughs> And where was everyone dancing on We'd go to Charlestown. We'd go to Charlestown. I lived in Carrie Castle, and the big thing was to go to Charlestown. Now, when you were very young and going to the dances, you'd only be allowed to go to a Cayley first. Okay. You had to get broken in kind of thing, you know? So you'd only be allowed a Cayley first. Was that to go and learn the dance? That was to go and not, like like as it is now, you you go to like a, a small disco first, you know, now yes. and then you go to the nightclubs then. Well, it was like that time you went to the Cayley first and then you progressed then to the ballrooms and the country and western bands. Wow. So that that was, to get out to that was just unreal. Now remember, Irene, we would go to the dance at 8 o'clock and we'd have to look for a lift. Now mind you, I never cycled. Right. I cycled all right, but I never cycled to a dance. Well, but you were afraid to get in the dress ruined, I'm sure. <laughs> I couldn't go in any dress I had on a bike, I can assure you. And we used to have to go with the local lad, Liam Regan. And uh, we'd go to the dance at 8 o'clock. And the dance went on till 2 in the morning. Wow. 2 in the morning. And everyone was allowed to stay till then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was the way the dances... I, as as we move on, I'll explain to you when I got into playing music myself as a band. We used to have to start playing at 8 o'clock and not finish till 2 in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and that was the truth. But that's how, and then the Cayley then would progress from maybe after six months, then I was allowed to go to the, the country and western. And there was a band called Eileen Reed and the Cadets. Mm-hmm. And I used to love watching her. Oh, I thought to be like her would be heaven. Was she one of the few females? Yes, she was a singer. She was a singer. Yeah. Didn't play an instrument or anything. We got a rude awakening when we joined the band because you had to play an instrument or two if you were made. 
But she'd be up there, and I'd choose to try and get her when she'd be coming in from the from the, the van after travelling to see what she'd be wearing. Oh, yeah. And then her her uniform was this beautiful, um, like a blazer, blue blazer jacket, and this pinstripe white skirt. Oh, gorgeous. And, and she I, always wore that? Well, that was her uniform okay. on the band. Oh, for the that band, was part of the yes. band uniform. But I'd have a look at her coming in first to see what she was wearing. And what would she be wearing? No, she never impressed me that much until she went on the stage. Gotcha. She never impressed me, but then, of course, she was travelling in a, in a minibus for two or three hours. Why would she wear good clothes? Mm-hmm. That but anyway, but when she went on the stage, this blue, gorgeous blazer and this pinstripe, oh, and the high heels, and she used to have her hair up in a, in a they used to call it, um, what used to call it, the thing at the back? Like a French robe? Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she'd have that done to perfection. And I thought, if only I could be like her, wouldn't that be just wonderful? So would she? Would you say that she was your first sort of style icon? Well, she, she was the first one that I said, if I could be like her, I'd be very happy. So did she get you thinking that maybe you could be in a band? No. No, well, that had come long before that with mm-hmm. the music. Yeah. That had come long before that because I was always playing music. Being in a band never hit me, never, until one day I was down with my mother. And I said to my mother, and I suppose I don't know where she got the money, but she, she had it. I don't know where she got it. But anyway, I said, ma'am, I'd love a guitar. How age I might be 30. I might be 30. Before you went to England? Yes. Yeah. And I said, I'd, I would just love if I could get a guitar. She didn't say yes or no, but she didn't say no, I remember. She didn't <laughs> say yes, but she didn't say no. The door was open. And normally my mother would say, what do you think you're asking for a guitar? What? Where would we get the money for a guitar? Hello. But the guitar anyway was sent for and the guitar was got. Oh, wow. Was it a surprise when it arrived? No, 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 no. I had done, I had done my research. Yeah, Hello. Okay. Yeah. I had done my research and then to get somebody to, to teach it to you as a, but that didn't come until later. That didn't come until later. But Eileen Reed thing, I'd watch her and I'd watch her taking the microphone and coming out. And I used to think of myself at concerts, you know, and I'd be singing at concerts and I'd be thinking. And I, I, I used to say to myself, God, she does it different now to me, you know. Mm-hmm. But then at a concert, you wouldn't have a microphone. You just come out and sing. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, yeah. But this was, I wanted to be like her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was my thing. But that was the first one that I could say, I need clothes like her. Right, yeah, yeah. So you aspired to, to, to her style. Her clothes was, was what I wanted. Do you remember then that, so you were talking there about the fact that you got the guitar and then you were moving forward. But it, was it 
Did you come back from England? Came back. We were only six. We were only a year and six months in England when we came back. Okay, so when you sure. returned to Ireland after your year and six months in England, did you bring a new kind of style with you? Well, was there anything I, that well, you were? First of all, personally myself, I was I was deflated. Is that the word I'm mm-hmm. looking for? I was I was down, and Ireland was so drab from where I had left. There was. Loads of opportunities in Manchester. In Manchester, or in England, or any place. Every time you went out the door, there was there'd be an opportunity for you to do something. You had to come back to Ireland then, and nothing. Mm-hmm. And and I mean nothing. And we came back at Christmas time, and you know what Ireland is like at Christmas time, out the country. Mm-hmm. And we had to start set up home again. Well, we had we came back to the same house, but you know we were a year and six months gone, and we had to start all over again. And to try then and and try and move on from there and kind of almost start a new life again mm. wasn't easy. You would have liked to stay in England. Oh, I would. Mm. I would. Did your mum wanted to come? Back? Uh, well, yeah. My my mother, I suppose, she did want to come home and. We were staying with my sister, and it it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there to her either. Mm-hmm. So we came home, and we started from scratch again. My mother started. She was she. My mother was had to do the farming, and and I had to help, which I hated. Mm-hmm. I hated the living sight of them fields. Mm-hmm. I couldn't bear it, and there was no proper way to walk down, and you couldn't get dressed, and. We we kind of lived halfway between this road and this road. So if you wanted to walk on a road, you had to go a big roundabout to get down to the local shops and on the street and all that sort of thing. So anyway, I decided the guitar. Let's go with the guitar again. And I had to find somebody to teach me the guitar because yeah. I didn't know how to play. I didn't even know how to tune the guitar. And I had a cousin living in Balahadreen, and his name was Eamon O'Hara. And Eamon heard that I had got the guitar. And he said, you know, Mildred, he said, um, I go up to Loch Lynn every Saturday, and I go to a man called Leo Byrne. And he said, he'll, he'll teach you the guitar. So that was great. I was delighted. Now remember this: we're 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 back now. We're back in sixties. Mm-hmm. I would have to walk down from my house to the main road to get on a bus at nine o'clock in the morning. The bus would be in Ballahadreen by half past nine in the morning. Eamon O'Hara was not going out to listen to Lachlan for his music lesson. Till four. What did you have to wait until four o'clock? Yes. Oh, stop. We went out to Loch Lynn and we did an hour hour. And we came back into Balladreen and I had to wait till six to get the bus home. What were you doing all day? Standing around doing nothing. I didn't care so long as I had that guitar and I was learning the guitar. So you were happy as Larry? I was happy as Larry. Couldn't care less. I was as happy as Larry. So that went on for about maybe... Three months. And Leo was your teacher? Leo was my teacher. And we kind of, 
He was he was good to us and all that sort of thing, but he wouldn't like you to come back and not have the stuff done. Mm-hmm. That you know, that was that. So we'd try and have the best pieces that he'd give you anyway to do. So this day, after about three months, I used to get the local paper, the Western people, to see where the dances was and who was playing at it and all that sort of thing. And this day, I got the Western people. And I saw this, it sized your finger, this ad, Singer Wanted for a country and Western band. Contact Leo Byrne. And the I very said, Leo that was I teaching said, me Jesus, the guitar. I said, Jesus, that's the man that's teaching me the guitar. Well, I took off, Irene. <laughs> and I can assure you, I didn't go the roundabout to go on the road. I took off down across the fields and the hedges and the ditches to find the shop, the local shop that had a wind-up phone and rang the number that was on the paper and... Uh, uh, could I speak with Leo Burden? Oh no, this this is Leo's neighbour. I take the I take the messages for Leo. Right. Molly Staunton next door in the two story house. But I'll go out and I'll look for Leo. So I didn't care so long as I got some kind of contact. And she came back after a minute. Leo in tow. I'm, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> So, Leo was on the phone, hello, hello, and I said, hello, I said, is that Leo Byrne? Yeah, this is Mildred Byrne, I'm answering your ad that you had, and he said, Mildred Byrne, Mildred Byrne, that name rings a bell, Mildred Regan I was, sorry, Mildred Mildred Regan I was at the time. Oh, he said, are you the guy that comes up on the Saturday with Eamon O'Hara? I said, yeah, that's, that's me. Oh, well, that's grand now, and where would we contact you if we needed you? So I, I said, come down to Carrick Castle, and I said, I'll meet you at the church, or whatever the case may be. So that was grand. More about he didn't say, ah, yes or no. And I didn't know where I stood, you see. He just said goodbye, and there was no, there was no more about it. And about two days after that, I was out at the house. And from my house down to the main road was like, let's put it, three fields, mm-hmm. three fields yeah. down. And Leo had a red and white minibus. <laughs> and there wouldn't have been many of them around at the time. <laughs> and it was going slow. And me being me, I said, that's Leo looking for me. How far away were you from us at the time? About three feet. You were, down. you were, you could see. I it was up at my house, and you, and could, you see, could see it coming, see. right? And yeah, I saw yeah, it yeah. coming on the road, and he stopped at this pub, and obviously he was looking for to see where was Mildred yes. Regan. But I saw, I saw the van coming, and I said, and I took off, just like I did when I saw the ad. <laughs> I took off, and I used to come out at the side of the, the church when I landed at the road, and I landed out. On the road, just as he was coming down, and he said, "That's her." He had, he had two or three of the girls in the van with them that used to play in the band. And uh, oh well, we were looking for you. I'm sure, I knew well they were looking for me. <laughs> we weren't looking for anybody else. We were looking for you, and we thought maybe we could hear you singing. And is there any place we could rehearse? Well, I said, I suppose that we could get the hall. 
<laughs> the key was a big problem. I said, Father Lafferty has the key. I said, uh, I'll, we'll go and get the key from Father Lafferty. So I went up and Father Lafferty, sure enough, gave me the key and went down and opened the hall and got in and the girls, there was three or four girls, and they set up all the stuff, the gear, like, so they were in an existing band. They were, or Leo had an existing. Yes. He, he had put an ad on the paper. He was a Cayley band. Mm-hmm. And he was changing the band from a Cayley band to a country and western. Gotcha. That's why he was looking for a singer for a country and western band. So, in we went. And the girls carried all this stuff in. And this was double dutch to me now. Now I know that there were amplifiers and microphones and stands. I knew that. I know that I learned that since. Mm-hmm. But that time I thought, what are they doing? And they set up all the stuff. And thankfully they didn't set it up on the floor. They set it up on the stage. And I was delighted about that, you see. So they set it up on the stage and the girls played the future. Now remember every one of them girls played an instrument. Mm-hmm. And they said, asked me, would I sing? And I sang the song, Do What You Do, Do Well. Excuse me. <laughs> and I sang that and they played with me. And I wouldn't have been accustomed to singing with music. So I just, they told me, just start off and we'll come in with you. Did you choose the song? Yes. Well, that's the song. That, that was my song. And yeah. That was that. Or they'd, they'd let you sing whatever you wanted yes. for the audition. So that was that. So... There's no more about it. He didn't say I yes or no. The girls were petrified to say I yes or no. And he said to me, would you have another one? Of course, I had plenty of songs. <laughs> yeah. And I had another song. Do you know what it was? I, I think, I'm, I'm not, uh, now I'm not 100% sure of the second one. But the do what you do, walk toward. Oh, walk toward. Oh, very good. Walk yeah. toward. So I sang them two songs anyway, and now of course, now I know that songs I sang were the wrong songs. They didn't suit my voice at all. I'd be more of a, I'd be more of a Kamalia singer. But you know, you don't know these things when you're young. But anyway, he didn't say I, as or no. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He didn't say you're good for nothing. He didn't say you're good. He said nothing. He left you hanging? Yes. For a while. And then he was talking to the girls and the girls were, yeah, and the girls, the girls, you see, the girls being girls, it'd be bitchy, you see. And they wouldn't care whether I could sing or not. And they couldn't care less if I got the job, nothing. They couldn't care. So anyway, we were packing up the stuff again. I saw the girls packing up the stuff. And I said, in the name of God, I mustn't have got the gig. Well, we, we used to call it gigs at that time, mm-hmm. the job. And we were just ready to go out the door. And he turned to one of the girls and he said, um, would, you, would you have a uniform now that it fits Mildred? <laughs> well, well I, I didn't just like you did there. I thought, I don't believe it. I really, and the girls, oh, yeah, yeah, we'd have, yeah, we'd have a uniform. We'd have, yeah, we'd have a uniform. Uh, well, we're going... We're going to Killybeg Sunday night, and we'll pick you up here at two o'clock. And was this just happening? Were you trying to play it cool? 
Oh, should I? I was afraid, I suppose, to say anything. I suppose yeah. I was petrified to yeah. say anything. Yeah. Plus, I would be shy of the girls now. Of you course. Know. Yeah. I would be very shy. Intimidating if they yeah. knew each other. Yeah, there was yeah. three of them and they knew everything and they were the posh ones and they knew how to do this and they knew how to do that and they knew all the other. And and I I knew nothing. And I was wondering how they were going to take all this gear down and pack it up and put it back into the thing again. So, yes, there'd be a uniform, and we were going to Donegal, to Killybegs on Sunday, and they picked me up at 2 o'clock, and we'll pick you up at the church, and we'll have a uniform for you. Come Sunday, picked up at 2 o'clock, hit off in the minibus, and, of course, the girls, you see, they were all talking to each other, and I was like a dummy in the thing, <laughs> you know? And... Uh, the, the odd one would say something to you or ask you this or ask you that. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do when we land down there tonight? So anyway, I didn't ask questions. We landed in Killybegs. And Leo said, Leo's the manager, of course, and Leo said, we're early. So this is a fishing village. And we'll go down to see the boats coming in. All right. And they let us on the, on the boats with the fish. So we, off we went down anyway, and I suppose I was walking three steps behind everybody and landed in on the boat, and they showed us all around the boat, and the fish and the smell was unreal, and I said, oh. And when we were leaving the boat, the men on the boat said, you can bring home as much fish as you like. <laughs> How far away was this from your house? Hours? Well, Killy, three hours. Three hours it would take us. Three hours. I remember it sat in the van while we were within playing. So anyway, we hit off anyway. We left the boats and we hit for the hall. And this procedure went on again, carrying in the stuff and setting it up and all that sort of thing. And they said uh, they'd give me another try with another song. Don't ask me. What I sang, I don't know how I got on, I don't know what I sang, I don't know, nothing. All I remember was, Leo said to me, uh, well now he said, we can't, we can't have you standing on the stage doing nothing. So we'll have to pretend that you're playing the guitar. <laughs> and you, you had what, a few lessons under... And what the hell guitar he, lend, he handed me was a bass guitar <laughs> with four <laughs> strings in it. The one I was learning had six strings. So the bands got ready and changed the uniform and got on the stage. But Mildred, I need to know what the uniform was like and were you oh, happy? Oh, cash. <laughs> what did it Absolutely like? cash. <laughs> was it trousers? Black trousers. <laughs> now remember Eileen Reed. Black trousers. A black blouse and a leopard skin top with no sleeves on it. I actually think that sounds oh, rather chic. No, it wasn't. But it was no Eileen Reed skirt no, on blazer. No, it was no. not. It was not. But I didn't care. Yeah. I had the uniform. And you I had the gig. Care. I had the gig and that was fine. But I was still on trial, remember yeah. now? Yeah. I was still on trial. So he put me standing up. The, the four girls was at the front and then there was two either side and then they put me standing at the back with this guitar. And the guitar, the bass guitar, 
was plugged into the back of the chair. He said to me, you won't do any trouble with that. <laughs> so there I stood till two o'clock in the morning, pretending <laughs> I was playing this bass guitar. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. And were you in your elements? Were you enjoying that? I was delighted. Sure, I was having a ripping fight. <laughs> I loved it. I, I, the only thing I was saying to myself, you know, I might get to sing maybe a song anyway, but no, no. no. But you haven't rehearsed with them yet, Nothing, you? nothing, yeah, nothing. thrown in the deep nothing. end. I think I was brought to see how would I get on with the girls. Yeah. How would I interact with the girls? Would they like me or would they not like me? And that was that. Now, remember, I'm still on trial, Irene. Mm-hmm. Still on trial. And the gig was over. And uh, there was, at the time, there was a, a song called The Hucklebuck, Brendan Boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was very good at dancing The Hucklebuck. Oh, very good. And the girls used to play it. But I, being the Mildred I am, I went out and done my Hucklebuck out in front. <laughs> and was that off script? Did off you take script? it upon oh, yourself that to was do that? Script. How did that go down? A bomb. <laughs> A bomb. I'd say Leo's eyes was falling out of his head. Because on the stage, you didn't do anything, only what Leo said. Yeah, yeah. But it was a shame to let that music go to waste, wasn't it? Wasn't it? And were you feeling bold? Were you... Well, were you... I, I, was, I felt I was part of it, even for one night anyway. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. that was that. And we played and we got into the van and we set off for home. And if if... If the girls done anything wrong on the stage, Leo does give out when we get into the van on the way home. But if there was something really bad, the girls would say the rosary, start saying the rosary. Oh, and to they, hopefully prevent the, the scolding. The vex had begun of Leo by the time the rosary was over. <laughs> so there was no rosary, thanks be to God. No rosary. And... We talked and the gig was good and this was this good and, and Leo said, didn't herself do well with Oakley Book? So I was still not booked to, to be part of the band. But Irene, when I landed home, well, near enough home anyway, Leo handed me a pound note. Now a pound note in 65 was good. Wow. And I I had a pound note and I had a bag of fish. <laughs> I forgot about the bag of fish. I forgot about the bag of fish. And I was as rich as they come. Oh. And I ran home to my mother. I suppose it was around seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But as I was leaving the van, he said to me, we'll pick you up Sunday at whatever time. And I said, I have it. You have to do it. I have it. Amazing. So that was that was my introduction to the band. And then he said to me after uh, I wasn't going to play on the bass guitar, plumped no. into the chair. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So he said, he said, Mildred, you'll have to learn an instrument. So what was he was? You see, he was in the process of changing the band from a Cayley band where they played musical instruments for Irish music mm-hmm. to country and western. Mm-hmm. So they said to me, he said to me, he said, Mildred, I'd like you to learn the drums. 
Well, it was like going to the moon. Sure, I knew. I, I didn't know how to set up the gear, don't mind playing the drums. But that was it. I got the gig and I had to start learning the drums. And Irene, from the main road to my house, would be four kilometers, maybe four kilometers. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think what the young ones have today, everything handed to them. When we'd get out of the minibus, Leo would leave every one of the drums at the gate, my gate. And I would have to take the basket hair and walk down to the house. Walk back for another part of the drum. Bring it down. Walk back for another. Six, seven o'clock in the morning. And then set it up. And then learn them after that. So... It was tough, but I didn't care. I was on the band, and I was as happy as Larry. Mm. And I would do anything to be on that. And to be a... From once you go up the stairs to the stage, you're two different people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are. Well, I am, anyway. Your persona. And then the drumming was... It was... I found it not too difficult, because I was determined to learn it. And I was determined to learn the drums. And in Irish music, for jigs, reels, and hornpipes, there, there's different rhythms. So you have to learn, in, in jigs, you have to learn fives, the role of a five mm -hmm. to, 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 for, to play a jig. And, to, and then for the reels, you have to do sevens, and you have to learn all that. And, and like... It giving you giving you a drumstick, you have to learn how to hold them properly, two different hands, and roll, learn to, to roll. And he taught me to read it, which was good up to today, up until today, that has stood to me mm. because I've been able to teach it. And even as yet, I'm, I'm with the marching band now, going off to America now in, in March. And that was a great learning, and it was a great lesson and a teaching. And then... I can't remember the place now. I can't remember because we played all over. Remember that pound he gave me, Irene, in 65. I got six of them in the week. Wow. We were out six nights a week. You were out six nights a week? Yeah. From, from the minute you were from the, the minute band, I, six nights a week. And I got a pound every night I went oh. out. Like that was, that was six pound a week. Yeah. Them times. I was rich beyond words. I was, and I must say that to, up until today, thank God, I've never been short of a pound. Of course. Through the music. Through the music, yeah. Through that music. And we, we traveled all over Ireland. And we traveled, we went to England. What and were you called? We were, first it was the old Cottage Cayley Band, mm -hmm. and then we changed to the Grenada Girls Show Band. The Grenadigans. And how we were thinking of a name, mm -hmm. how what, what we call ourselves. And we were at a rehearsal one night and there was a piece, you know, the sheet music that mm -hmm. they used to get mm -hmm. one time and Grenada was written across. Oh, okay. And I said, wouldn't the Grenada girls be lovely? Yeah. And that's how we got the name. I think, didn't Duran Duran become Granada? Maybe they were only trotting after you now, I'd say, Mildred. <laughs> well, I don't know <laughs> about the that. 80s, in the 80s. But we, we played six nights a week and then we went to England and there was a, there was a drum solo called Skin Deep yeah. 
And we were playing, we landed in Manchester anyway, and we were setting up the stuff. At this stage, I'd learned to set up the stuff. Everybody sets up their own. If if you have a microphone and you're singing on that, you you, you set up that with your amplifier and all that. Mine was the drums, so I set up the drums. And uh, you might carry in the stuff, but you only set up what was yours. But... We were ready to go on stage in uh, Manchester and we were all ready to go on stage. And this fellow came up to me and I thought he was being smart, you know. And he said, he said, later on tonight, you might give me skin deep. Oh, okay. But he didn't think I knew what skin deep yes, was. Yes, yes, And I yes. said, I will show little God. And... But what I also didn't know was that he was married. His brother was married to Muriel, my sister. Oh, and right. he had come to see us. Yes, ah. yeah. And uh, that was we went to Manchester a few times, and one night uh, in Manchester, the stage was a huge, big stage, and it had big black curtains down behind us. Yeah, yeah. And the Anne Coleman now Anne Caffrey, she played the Hawaiian guitar. Mm -hmm. And she also played the bass guitar. So different numbers, she'd move across from the bass guitar to the Hawaiian guitar. Yeah. But I'd always give her my chair for right. to play the Hawaiian guitar. But this night, she didn't leave the chair back. And, you know, tune from, tune from one tune to the next, you had to get back and be in time. So I went back and I didn't bother to look to see was there a chair. And I <gasps> went down to that... And I went through the curtains. Oh, Mildred! I went through the Mildred's curtains. Mildred's on the big stage yes. in Manchester. I went through the curtains. <laughs> and the, I, I have it there in the books. There was a cameraman and a paperman oh, in the hall on the night. God. And he wrote the piece and he said, and she came through the curtains, back up through the curtains with a big smile on her face. Ah, of course you did. Of course I, you did. I have it in one of the books That was there. amazing. So it was... It was that was that was magic for me to be above on the stage playing and be part of the band and be all be all now as we as we went on as a country and western band then we got better and we got bigger gigs mm. and there used to be another band come on to they called them relief bands was it like a support act? Support act. Yeah. And they'd okay. come on first and then we'd come on. Yeah, so, so you guys were very big at we that were. stage. And you were probably the like the original girl band. There was that no one, and, and no one since till the Spice Girls. Yeah, yeah. And no amazing, one since. Amazing. No one since. But you laugh at this now because this happened locally. Uh, Leo was very conscious that we were all teenagers and young and all, so he he was responsible for us, you yeah. know. And uh, we were playing in a place called You Know It Well, Fairy Mount. Oh yeah. And when you'd be playing. Uh, you'd get the tea and the sandwiches or whatever the case may be and whatever. Usually it would be, be a priest that would be running the dance mm -hmm. and the priest housekeeper would bring you in for the tea. Right. And there'd be this big table mm -hmm. and the white tablecloth and the best of the dishes and all that sort of thing. And Leo, we were going into Fairymount this night anyway to eat and Leo said, whatever ye do, don't spill tea. Oh. Well, we were kids, really, when you think of it. Whatever you do, don't spill tea. 
So we said we wouldn't. We wouldn't. And that was grand. And we were all sitting around the table. Priest as well. The housekeeper was in the kitchen. And Leo went to reach over for the milk. And his sister's cup of tea. <laughs> and we all said, yes, yes. Oh, we were delighted. Oh, we threw into pieces. So that was that. that things like that would happen. Yeah. And you'd, you'd, you'd know what I'm talking about now. We used to play every year for the convent in Loch Lynn. Oh, yes. And when we'd arrive at the convent, the nun would be out of the door. Mm-hmm. And she used to have a line of bedroom slippers oh, yeah. for us. Oh. Because we couldn't wear the high heel oh, shoes in. Oh, of course, in. yeah, the yeah. The shoes, you see. Indoor shoes. Indoor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, and when we'd get out of the van, we used to run to see who'd get the nicest shoes. Ah. <laughs> and plenty of people were wearing them, were they? It was, the nuns just, used oh, to wear Oh, they were the, the nuns. nuns the nuns used to wear yes. the shoes, you see. And there were bedroom slippers and everything. Yeah. And we used to run from the bus to see who'd get the nicest pair of shoes. Because you'd be performing in them. We'd have to, because we but were in the convent. There was no one else, know, only the nuns. I know, I know. There was no one else, only us and the nuns. Did the outfits stay the same? The leopard print uh, on the, or did it evolve? You no, know, it went to a glittery stuff. Did you have more influence at this stage no, when your feet were no, under no, the table? No, 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 no. No, I took a back seat with that, but it was a little bit English, or it was a little bit more modern. And what era was this now that we're moving on to? With 65, the... 66. Okay. 65, okay. 66. And but dresses are still trousers. Oh, still trousers. Because you have to be in the dress. Well, on the stage, yeah. yeah. You had to be on the... But like, did they have to be black? <laughs> I don't, you'd have to take it up with someone else, Mildred. I would have given you coloured pants. I would have. <laughs> did they have to be black? Yes, yes. And so... You're telling us, so Leo started, he was your guitar teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and then he became the band manager. Manager. And well, then he was always the band manager. He was always the band yeah. manager, but you were part of the band now. Yes, I was part of the band and that was that. And then did, it, it, did something interesting progress? Well, there did, there did now, and I'll tell you how that progressed. Uh, my aunt was home from America mm-hmm. after 60 years. And... Myself and my mother and my aunt was in Balahadreen shopping. Okay. And we were looking around. I don't know what we were doing. We were in Mulligan. It's Mulligan's now. It was Flannery's at the time on the corner there as you go out the Castle Road. And next thing, I got this bump like as if somebody was falling up against you. Oh, yeah. And sent flying. And it was Leo had come into the shop and seen us and gave me this big elbow. Messing. Messing. Yeah. Messing, of course. And we started talking and chatting and I introduced him to my aunt from America and my mother already knew him. And we were playing, I think, like you'd say, two nights after that. And on the way back, Leo asked me, would I like to go out for a meal? On the way back from the shops? No, no, on the way, we were playing oh, sorry. about, we were playing about two nights after that. And on the way yeah. back from playing, Leo asked me if I would go. Okay. okay. So I did. Were the girls, could the, were the girls in earshot of all this? No, 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 okay. I was on my own okay. shopping with my mother. Okay. No. Sorry, I beg your pardon. You met him in the shop and he asked you in two nights time afterwards. No, would you like no, to go? no, okay, no, sorry, no. Sorry, we, we chatted. I introduced yes. him to, to, to my aunt. Yeah. My mother already knew him. And then he went about his business and we went and we went playing and 
this night and then the following night we were playing again and that night he said to me would you like to come out for dinner okay what did you think Um, and i said i can't say no jesus christ i can't say no i can't say no and how can i say yes and how can i tell my mother i'm going out because she was strict now Mm -hmm. she was strict but anyway, I took up the courage anyway, and I told her. And she said, go on, go on, if you want to go, go. Sure, I would, I'd have preferred to have gone to a dance. <laughs> if I had a night off free, I'd have preferred to have gone to a dance. Yes. But anyway, I didn't. Anyway, I went out for the dinner. There was no dinners that time. There was, you go out, and he didn't drink. He didn't take a drink. Yeah. So you you just went out someplace and you got a cup of tea or a sandwich, whatever the case may be. I thought, I thought, I don't want to be seen with him. How am I going to talk to him? And what am I going to say? <laughs> because there's a big age difference. Oh, yeah. Leo was, uh, he never told me his age, but I'd say Leo was 25, almost 30 years older than me. And you never knew his age? No, never, even till the day he died. No, never asked him his age. Never. I never asked him his age. No. And did you find that night that you were having nice conversations and you saw a different side of him? Well, I saw a side that was um, caring. I think that's the word I'd put it down to. He was caring and he was was awful kind. And uh, he would give you little tips about the band and, you know, things like that. I was happy with the drums. I didn't want tips about anything else. I was, that was the band. So anyway, we were engaged within two months. Wow. And we hit off for Galway to, to get engaged. And the girls knew nothing. The girls never even decked anything. Never. Now remember. So you were on dates at this stage. Yes. Playing in the band. Yes. No one knew what Nobody was going on. Nobody knew a thing. And our girls in the band were devils for smoking. Oh, right. And the first thing they said to me when I joined the band, don't you ever tell Leo that we smoke. Oh, right. Okay. See, I didn't smoke. So I would never tell on the girls anyway. But sure, sure, sure he smelt the smoke <laughs> a mile away. But anyway, we went to Galway this day and... Uh, we got engaged. And we had a rehearsal that night with the band. Did you have a ring on your finger? Did. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have it on, on, yes, on, Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we didn't want, we wanted to tell the girls first. Yes, yeah. So anyway, we had the rehearsal with the band and we talked and we yapped and we said new tunes, we... We do new tunes all the time, you know. And uh, we finished dinner, we had the stuff packed up and we all into the van and off home. And Leo said, I think Mildred has something to tell you. Oh, God, I put a place in the summer. (laughs) (laughs) And I, at this stage, then I had shuffled and put this on my finger. Put the ring on. Yeah. And uh, I used to be always up there. In the middle seat, there was two seats in the front. Leo was the driver, and there was a spare seat there. Nobody ever sat in that seat. Yes, nobody. So there was three of us here in the back, and another three at the, the very back. Um, Mildred might have something to tell you. And I never did a thing. Only put up my hand like that. 
Well, the screams in the van, you never heard anything. <laughs> they clapped else. the ring straight away. And did they know it was him? Oh, they did. I think they had a kind of an idea. <laughs> did they? I think did they had they? a kind of an idea. I just did that. Oh, and especially when Leo said, I think Mildred or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they got me out of the van. And they said, oh, Jesus, Mildred. Mildred, please don't, please don't tell them we smoke. She ah! said, please don't tell them that we smoke. Please don't tell them that we do this, how we do it. And I never did. Ah, of course you did. And I never, ever, And they were so ever, happy for you. I never did. And I never did. And Anne Coleman, she was Anne Cole, and can't forget the time. She would say, oh, that's great, Mildred. I can be going down to you for a few eggs or the milk or something. <laughs> so they had it all organized and yeah. they had it all done and uh, dusted and all. And so how they, soon when you got married? January. What, when, so you, you were two months into getting engaged yes, and then... Yeah, that was the end of September and... And you got married in January. January and what did you third, wear? Third, oh, and... Both of us came up here to Dublin. I don't know if it's still in existence. The French shop. A wedding. It was a wedding place. And I think the pictures are there. I'm not quite sure. But the most magnificent dress you ever saw. Oh, tell me about it. Well, it had it actually it had a collar very much like this. Okay, so kind of a high stand up collar. Yes, and then very tight in, very tight. And way out. Oh, fabulous. What year was this? 66 now. 66, right. So in, 66. The, in the right of the 60s. Magnificent dress. Out. Was it long? Or full length. Yeah. Full length, and right out like a princess. It had like, um, it was like layers, but instead of layers going across this way, they went down. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. on the way down, on the edge of them, there was a huge, like, the shape of a rose. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it was a and beautiful you felt magnificent. Oh. And were, were you the talk of the town? Well, yeah, I, I suppose I was the talk of the town maybe for the wrong reason, <laughs> that I was marrying a man that was so much older than me. Right, okay. I'd be the talk of the town for that, not in a bad way. Yeah. Not in a bad way But it was all. very unusual. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, I suppose, unheard of, you know. But, but... We, the, the wedding then, the wedding was in January, and the snow was on the ground. And my brother came home from America to give me away. Oh. And we had tragedy afterwards because after going back, he got pneumonia and he died. Oh, no. Mm. Oh. He got pneumonia and he died. He was only 32. Oh, that kind of put a damper on her because it was so soon after the excitement of, of the wedding and everything and all that sort of thing. But anyway, with the girls and myself uh, for the for the wedding reception, we played with the band. Oh, lovely. Yes. So we played and then instead of, we had a lot of gigs on at the time. Yeah. So instead of breaking the band and going for a honeymoon, we had about uh, five or six gigs down Carry direction, okay. and we went down and we played every single night. Oh, lovely. Yeah, oh, lovely. it was great. And um, quite soon after then, so you continued. So really, meeting Leo, you, you always had music in your life, but this really yeah. made it yeah. made well, it your world. That was the, that was the beginning of a of a wonderful life. I would say that the day that I saw that notice on the paper mm-hmm. was a change in my life. Right. Yeah, and and. and up until today, 
I'm still doing that. Yeah. I'm still doing Played with different bands then, played with, with pub bands as they called them then, you know. When the, once the children came along, you know, you couldn't be out on the road five nights a week. So, um, I, a son I, and a daughter. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I ran, uh, I played with, like, as I said, pub bands, the big three of us, and mm-hmm. you might be only out the weekend, you know, that wasn't mm-hmm. too bad. But uh, as I said, from the day I saw that ad, mm. my whole life changed. Isn't that and I, I said, I'm where I want to be now. Yeah. And, like, things got better. And better and better and better and better. Yeah. And uh, the children grew up, and we, the children then were into music. And we did a, a Maria, she was only four, and she did a Traumagas Atrom program from Sligo. And at this stage, she was playing the drums, and both Leo and herself were playing the drums. And Leo, Leo Jr. Yes. Yeah. And Leo Senior was still teaching music. Yes. And we would do big concerts with the children. Okay. And you were saying then you went on to have Maria and Leo Junior. Yes. And you, you they performed with you. So so music continued being part of oh, yes. you know your lifestyle. Yes. But yes. I know you showed me a photo of them earlier and the way that they were turned out and their clothes. Yes. Did you enjoy that part of mothering and parenting? I loved it. I, 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 Leo and Maria were always impeccably dressed. Yeah, yeah. Always. And Maria, the day I was told, like Leo, Leo was a lad and I was delighted for Leo because Leo was so old and I was glad that it was a lad that he had a son. I was yes. glad for that. And Leo was, uh, uh, almost five when Maria was born. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then that morning when I was told that it was a little girl, and I I, I was like over the moon. Aww. And I was, before Maria was born, I was down in, we were on holidays in Wexford, yeah. and I was expecting Maria. And we used to, the place was Coraclough. Oh, yes. And we used to go into the hotel on the beach there in Coraclough. Yes. And there was this guy, he used to play hurling for Wexford. And he, uh, they'd ask him up to sing every night. Yes. And when he'd get up to sing, he used to sing the song, I did what I did for Maria. Oh, wow. And I said, if I have a girl in, I'm going to call her Maria. That's how she got her name. That's how she got her name. And it was a girl, in, and I called her Maria Bernadette. Lovely. Yeah, and uh, dressing her was heaven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can imagine you having all these years of loving all the feminine clothing and everything, and being able to. It put was heaven. Pieces. It was heaven then. Yeah. And then we, Leo was young. Leo was learning the drums, and then Maria came along, and of course Maria was like the drums as well. Yeah. And we used to do a lot of concerts. Mm-hmm. And after uh, we did Trauma uh, Trauma from Sligo, there was a lady by the name of Mary Gaffney. She was a freelance reporter. Mm-hmm. And her husband was uh, the head teacher in Clunacool, uh, teaching. And she saw this job in Sligo where they were bringing in music teachers to teach in the vocational schools. Okay. And Leo got that job. Oh, right. So he was teaching there for the couple of years. 
and trauma, I say trauma, was coming to Sligo. Which was what? It was like a, it was like the late, late show now. Yeah. Yeah. Something, but it went to different parts of Ireland. And this lady, the reporter, she rang us and, by the way, at this time we had got our own phone. Right, okay. <laughs> she rang us and she said, you should audition with the children mm. and the children from Clunacool that Leo was teaching for Traumagasetrum. And we did. And we had Maria Threshed, as you yeah. can see. And she was learning to dance as well. So she played the drum. Leo, young Leo played the drums with all the, the, the new girls now that, that Leo was teaching and from the different schools. So he took them all from the different schools so their village would be represented. Mm. So he had them playing and he had young Leo drumming. And then Leo left the drums and Maria went back behind the drums, which she couldn't sit. She was so small. <laughs> she was only four. So she stood up and she drummed a number. Wow. And then she came down then and she danced. Oh, wow. So after that, we got loads and loads and loads of concerts and that and appearances for the children. Yeah. So we, we, we were into the music then again in a different way. Yeah. In a it different evolved way. as your family it did. evolved. It did. Yeah. Mary Gaffney, now that got the job uh, for the, on the Tram Magazine, she done, uh, the, the, there was um, uh, a Sunday paper. Uh, it's still going. Is it the Sunday World? Mm -hmm. She done a beautiful piece about Leo and myself and the two kids oh, on that. And like that was great exposure to get even in them times, yeah. you know. Maria, and also for you to have it now. Yeah, you I still know, kept have, every piece. Those pieces. I still Incredible. kept every piece. Yeah. yeah. And every piece that was written about Leo and the different things we done and the different places we were. I, I still have every one of them. So so that when when the sadness of Leo died and, and that I, I, I put it all, I went back to it all and kept it all and put it all in files and mm. as, as you can see and kept it and it was, it's lovely memories and it's great to have it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. And you know what, it's a good lesson to us all as well because I suppose we're in a digital age and we don't necessarily capture things and document them. Yeah. And when you take, give me a folder of pictures and you're able to bring yourself back to a place yeah. and, and to yeah. share them, I suppose, as yes. well with your kids yes. and things yeah. too. I wanted to, in a lot of the photos you showed me earlier, you yeah. shared different yes. things yes. with your life and literal different hats that yeah. you'd be wearing. Yes. Um, because I, I was wondering, you know, was there ever a time that you put something on and as soon as you put it on, it changed kind of the way you felt about yourself. And I was thinking, you know, there's pictures of you in, uh, in the bands, in the marching mm -hmm. bands in specific mm -hmm. uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's pictures of you wearing some of your own style and yes. meeting very yeah. kind of important and influential yeah. people over yeah. the years. And, yeah. um, and then there's photos of you doing your beloved role on a Sunday in Knock mm -hmm. as yes. handmaid. Yes. So yes. I, I just, you know, I just kind of wanted to get a feel from you. How important are those items of clothing when you're in those specific roles? Yeah, I, I think the biggest influence, I think the biggest change that I am is when I put on my knock uniform. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about when you started. It's knock shrine we're talking knock about. Knock shrine, yeah. yeah and knock. when you became a handmaid, handmaid and what's involved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it started off with... Uh, after my Leo died and passed away, uh, there was a local lady, you, you, you know her, uh, Brenda Creighton. 
And she was a handmaid in Knock Shrine. And she said to me one day, Mildred, why don't you come to Knock and become a handmaid? And I said, what's that? And she said, well, come along some Sunday and see for yourself. And I did. And uh, I went to have a look at it. And now, remember, before I became a handmaid, I would be in Knock quite often. Mm -hmm as just a, a pilgrim going to, to Mass. But I used to see these people walking around with this uniform and they're doing all these uh, jobs and processions mm. and um, they'd help people and they'd be in this big basilica and like it wasn't done up at the time. It was like, uh, it was like a foreign country, mm -hmm. you know, the size of it. Yeah. And I thought, I'd love yeah, well, but isn't it funny, Mildred, because it's nearly going back to when you used to see people singing and what they were wearing and what they were doing, the sense of occasion and the sense of yeah. purpose then, I suppose, with it. Within yes. The, within so I thought I'd love to do that. I just love. And Brenda had, Brenda had asked me to become that. And I said, I said, yeah, but I said, sure, what would I be doing? And she said, oh, they'll get a job for you. So... I went anyway, and I, them times, them times if you wanted to become a handmaid, you'd have to get somebody to uh, nominate you. Okay, yeah. And say that you were all right and all that. So Brenda did do that, mm -hmm. and uh, I was accepted, and I had to get this uniform. Now, remember the uniform, the white uniform, was down to the ankles, remember? Was it, and I hope I'm not speaking out of term, but it, it almost looked like a nun's habit, not it in was, the traditional actually, sense. Actually, a lot of people thought we were nuns. Right, okay. A lot yeah. of people. It, there, was a, there was a white dress. Yeah. There was a white coat. Yeah. And there was a veil. And on the veil, there was a rose here on the front because... At the top of the head. Yeah, because when Our Lady appeared, it was the only place she wore a rose. Okay. And that was the idea of the rose. And then we had our name here on the pocket here. So the, the first day I saw the dress, I said, I can't do this. And well, I, it wasn't trousers. No. And I, white shoes and white tights. Oh. And I'm thinking, Mildred, you know, and I know you, at this stage you were... You had brought line dancing basically to Ireland. You wear rhinestones and high shoes and short skirts and everything. So... I said, no, but you push up with the gear mm -hmm. in order to be doing the job we were asked to do. Yeah, yeah. And you had, when you went to knock, you had to start at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And by God, I started at the bottom. Mm -hmm. The first day I landed, gear and all on me, there was mass first and prayers. And then you were given your job. And the lady in charge said to me, uh, Mildred, we'll bring you into the kitchen and you'll butter bread. And you learn not to ever say no. Yeah. Never say no. So we done that. I done that. Like the season starts in April, and it goes on until October. Okay. So I did that for the full season. Yeah. Full Butter season. bread. Butter bread every Sunday that I went. Yeah. Them times you only was asked to do one Sunday in the month, mm -hmm. and that's all I did. Mm -hmm. One Sunday in the month. But that was my job for the full season. I bought yeah. the bread. Like in the full gear. In the full gear. You see, there would have been 600 
of all of us, 600 handmaids and stewards. So we buttered the bread for to feed the handmaids and okay, stewards. It yeah. was only for yeah. them alone. So that was that. We, the, the bread was buttered and you were given your tea and um, ham or whatever the case. So that was my job. I did that job now for the first season. And then after the second, when I went back then for the second season, they saw that I was kind of kind of good with getting on with people. Yeah. And they put me out then in the little offices writing mass cards. Okay. And that was great because you were meeting people. Yes. That was great. Yeah. Now you were meeting people sad. Yeah. And you were meeting people in trouble. And you were meeting people that came to knock for a reason, to meet the likes of us. Yeah. That they could talk to them. And then we had the lovely thing of giving out communion to the pilgrims, which was lovely. Yeah. And we got the jobs then of helping with the anointing, which was special, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then you'd have your lovely procession or your rosary. And once you once you had done that, like your head started at the bottom, so that mm -hmm. was that. I didn't mind it. And then 34 years on, I'm still there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And the outfit has changed. <laughs> only only two years ago. Really? Only two now, years ago. Were you instrumental in that? Would you have liked that to happen? <laughs> not necessarily. Believe it or believe it not, uh, Father Richard Gibbons, the, the the parish priest, he wanted he was he was a young priest and he wanted all changes and we had done he had done the new basilica mm -hmm. and he wanted to change. He wanted to move on. Yeah. Yeah. And some of us wanted to move on too, but not with the uniform. We were very much like if you were in the basilica, like there's five churches in the basilica, yeah. and you had that, and somebody wanted you, or wanted help. You, you were visible. Yeah, you were easy. Not too visible in the blue, but Father wanted it, and he he wanted to move on, and he did, and that was that. So but yeah, so I suppose after all those years of wearing it, yes. it wasn't. It actually became part of. Did it, did it almost prepare you when you were going in each day once you had that on that you were in the mindset that you were well you you were in? you were in the not mindset yeah. you were you were there to help regardless who asked you anything you were there to help that person be it good or bad and the lovely thing about knock I remember this specifically one day I probably get emotional now I was writing out mass cards. And this lady came to me and she, she, she said, and she said, they have to tell you who the mascot is for. Yeah. And she said, I can't see it. I can't see it. And it was her daughter that had died. And I just said to the girl beside me, I said, I'm going. And I went out, out around about to the woman and I walked with her to talk. She wasn't able to give me the name of the daughter to put it down on the basket. So things like that, mm. things like that bring you down to earth, you know. And you're glad that you're there to help the person. I have loads that I would love to speak to you about because you've such a colourful life and you're travelling mm, so yeah. much and all of those things. But I thoroughly enjoyed hearing about the start mm. of your music and the start of your dancing. And I know that after... Leo sadly passed away. Yeah. You really continued in the yeah, teaching I, and, and I, the I, moving around the country. Yes. And, um, well, that, that's my, my life, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, but my life 
really took off when the dancing started, when I got into the dancing. Like, the dancing brought me all over the world. Every place. I was in America several times. I was in Spain. I was in France. I was in Germany. I was in Portugal. I was, I was every place with mm. the dancing. And you've you've brought great joy with the dancing, yes. you know. And you've and you've introduced, as I said, you you brought in the line dancing here, and you've had so yeah. many classes, and it's kept so many people going, yeah. sense of community, yeah. and yourself yeah. going as well, um, and the great style there as well <laughs> that you'd be wearing. But yeah. I I thought to myself, you know, when you're if you're looking back now. And all, it's like you've lived a million different lives in your one life. Because you yeah. keep going, Mildred, yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah, That's what you yeah, do. Yeah, you just yeah, keep going. Do, yeah. Is there any outfit that you think about or any piece of clothing that you think about when you look back on your life, regardless of what age you were when you wore it, that you think, oh, that's Mildred? I think there's two. I think there's two. And the first one would be the outfit I had when I was giving my daughter away when she was getting married. Now, when was that? Maria got married uh, almost 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I, I was giving her away because her dad was dead. And I wanted to be special. And I searched, and I searched, and I searched. And I used to tell her I was searching. But I did search anyway. And I was above an alone, and I got this magnificent dress out of this world but it was about three times too big for me but I said that is the dress for me that is the dress and I brought it down to a fabulous Polish lady in Boyle and you'd never know she left a needle on it it was out of this earthly world stunning I would say And the other one, like I'll never forget that dress, and the other one was, the day I got the word that I was going to be on the Late Late Show. Oh, yes. And I was going to be on the Late Late Show with the rector of Knox Shrine. He and I and some of the people that was relatives of the visionaries. We were all on the Late Late Show, and I, I wanted to be... I wanted, I mean, you don't get to the late, late. The first time I got on the late, late show was after coming back from America where we were dancing. And myself and Maria danced on that. But we were only dancing. But this time we were guests. Different story. Yeah. Very special. And I said, what will I? And I searched and I looked and I looked and I searched and I looked and I searched. And I said, look at there's only one thing to do, search my wardrobe. Oh. Search my wardrobe. And I come across a dress that I had bought in New Jersey. New Jersey, you know, someplace else for shopping. By Karen Millen. Oh, yeah. And I wore that dress. And to this day, every time I opened the wardrobe, I'd look at it and I'd say, that was a great night. Oh, amazing. And we were, we were doing... We were in the process of changing the uniform in Knock. Yes. And Ryan Tuberty asked Father Richard about the uniform and what it's going to be like. And says Father Richard, well, this is what it's going to be like. Look at Mildred's ensemble tonight. <laughs> this is what it's going to be like. 
Did you think it was? No, <laughs> no. Then you were dressed. <laughs> I was picturing you were dressed. Then you were dressed. I think he was trying to get the pressure off himself. <laughs> threw, threw it over on me. Them two things stand out a mile for me. And also, I suppose, because you, you spent time looking and a lot of love went into the decision making and they were two big events. They and were. family and your and um, job. And your job, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and kind of the, yeah, the love of the yeah. style and the career. It was, thanks be of God, I, and I must say this, knock, knock brought me through lots of things, you know, because you you might be upset or you might be whatever. And so long as you have knock behind you and Our Lady and all that sort of thing, you're you're happy and you know that you're not going any place wrong. Yeah. yeah. And I have a great devotion to Our Lady. And uh, I, I, I can, can I tell you a story yes. about yeah. when Leo was very, very, very ill, we kept him at home in our own house. We never allowed him to go to a hospital. And he was confined to bed for a year and five months. And he he was very ill. And this morning, I went, I'd go down every morning. When Maria go to school, she'd say hello to him first, and then she'd go to school. And I went down to him this morning, and I said, how are you, Leon? He said, I'm not good. And I won't go into the details, but he wasn't good. And I said, don't worry about it, Leo. I said, I'll, I'll be back in a minute. But when he told me that he was very ill, he, he said, I hadn't a good night and I'm not good this morning. Irene, I have no explanation for this. Mm-hmm. But from my hairline to the tips of my toes, my hands, I came out in a rash, like as if I was born with nettles. Just like that. Just, I was, you know how you're born with yeah, nettles? Yeah, the bumps. Bumps. Every bit of me was like that. Face, body, hands, feet. And I, I, I was frightened because I didn't know what it was. And I went across, I left Leo, I said, I'll be back in a minute. And I went across the hall and I went in to another room and I said to our lady, whatever this is, please take it away. And it just drained. Gone. Went within a matter of minutes. Minutes. It That's drained from here down. That is as true as I'm here at this microphone. It just drained and it was gone. Just mm-hmm. like that. And I went back into the room and I got Leo dressed and changed and back in bed and there was breakfast and there was memorial. But I never forgot that. Yeah. 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 It's fabulous for you to have such devotion yeah. as well in your life. Um, we're going to have to wrap up the conversation, even though I'd love to keep going. You are a woman who is never without a pair of heels. No, no. And you go out and you cut your hedges and you mow the lawn and you do everything and you clean around the house. And no matter where you go, you're not without your heels. No, I'm not without my heels. I couldn't be without my heels. <laughs> so is there anything, just a last kind of parting word? I know that they obviously make you feel good day to day. Yes. Is there anything that you kind of think to yourself, you know, this is why... And the clothes are important or how you present yourself. Well well I'll give you I'll give you a little incident that happened the other day in Knock. And you won't believe it, but I we're we're kind of cut down on our knock mm-hmm. uh, walk now, but we're still back a little bit. 
and we bring the people in and out, see they get in and out and see they get uh, stay where they are in their seats. And this lady came up to me afterwards and she said, I have to talk and speak to you. Because she said, I've been watching you walking around there all through Mass and before Mass in the high heel shoes. And she said, I have to admire you. She said, and she said, you look absolutely fabulous. And that you were able to walk and stand in them. If she knew I was still standing them at 7 o'clock that evening, she'd certainly <laughs> be saying that. I, I, I wear them because it, 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 what's the word it gives me? It gives me height, of course, because I'm a small person. But it gives me um, confidence, very confident. You're confident. Once you put them shoes on, you, you're, you're confident yeah. and you're in charge. Yeah. Yeah. That's me anyway. Yeah. Once I put them shoes on, I feel I'm dressed and I'm in charge and I'm ready for anything. Well, you are ready for anything and everything because there's there's everything and anything happening in your life. Mildred, yeah. thank you so much for such a lovely conversation. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. Um, and I look forward to hearing more of your adventures in heels. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for having me, Irene. I have watched you many, many, many times on telly and admired you and would ring up your mother and say, she's on today and she was mighty. And absolutely, you are just something else. Ah, oh, Mildred, you're so sweet. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much.